with you, and uh, really, really is a joy. It goes so fast. It's amazing how fast time flies. And uh, so anyway, but it is great to be, be here. So let's just pray and we'll ask God to help us. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that we can say love has truly lifted us out of the angry waves of sin and destruction. We thank you that we can just rest in your love, not only in time, but we know we can do that for all eternity. And we pray uh, tonight as we ponder again the love that you want to express through us, that uh, you will guide these thoughts that they m and the words will be consistent with your word and be uh, in line with your will for us right now. Uh, we, we need your, we always need your empowerment and your help and your guidance. And uh, we pray that you would just, by your grace, work right now for your glory and for our growth. We just pray your best in Christ's name. Amen. We, we've talked about love being uh, a part of our lives, a growing part of our lives. Uh, it's easy to talk about love. It's a totally different thing to practice love. I came across this little story. Sometimes we're like the fourth grade class who sent a get well card to their teacher who was recovering from surgery. The card read, your fourth grade class wishes you a speedy recovery by a vote of 15 to 14. <laughs> oh dear. It's not true far, too far from real life, isn't it? Sometimes this love is, and, and we said this this morning, but a lot of times God calls us to love difficult people. And that's just not normal. <laughs> it's just not natural. One put it this way. This is an 18th century writer. Love seems in many hearts to have gone to sleep. I think there's some truth to that. Now, Alex Strauch, which we probably all have read something of what he has written. He said this, when love goes to sleep, we grow cold and unfeeling toward people. We love material possessions and personal comforts more than people. We love our work more than people. We become bitter toward people because our feelings have been hurt. We become weary in serving selfish and ungrateful people and become content to show love only to those who are agreeable to us. We become lazy and complacent about love. We, we neglect our duty to love the unlovely and the disagreeable. <laughs> Way too much truth there as well. It's easy to love lovable people. But God calls us to excellence in this area. And we like to talk about love that is vibrant. How can our love become more? We know it's it could, to continue to grow. None of us, God has not said to any of us, time out, you can take a break in this area. <laughs> if we're to continue to grow. And I'd like to go to a, a passage that I, it, it is really a prayer for our love to be vibrant. And if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. 
And I'd like to begin there in this beautiful prayer, profound prayer that it is. And uh, I'm going to read, I'll, I'll read a portion of it and then we'll touch on uh, parts of it as I go, go through this section. But it's a prayer and we'll talk just a little bit about its placement in just a moment. Ephesians 3.14. Now I'm just going to read 14 and then I'm going to jump down. For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, and then I want to jump down to verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is a prayer that love will truly permeate and impact our lives. And I think it's a very valuable, important, essential prayer. I bow my knees before the Father. To pray to our Heavenly Father. We have this access of prayer. Think of all the things we pray for. And, and obviously, God, God wants us to bring our requests before Him. But a lot of times it seems to me we, we somewhat limit our prayers to the immediate crisis. And, I, and, I, and that's it's not, it's not wrong at all. We, we all have crisis. We want to pray, pray for one another. It's an important thing. We have a young, a young man right now. Um, his name is Jordan. You might remember to pray for Jordan. He's in our church. Delightful young man. Just, he hasn't been married, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, maybe a little longer. Beautiful little wife, uh, Christian little wife, just, just a great couple. And uh, they have a little baby. And he has been diagnosed with brain cancer. I tell you what, in our assembly, that was just a heartbreak. I mean, it was like, Everybody was so overwhelmed. This is the kind of guy that walks in the door. He's got the big smile on his face. He's a servant. Uh, everybody loves this little family. And, and, and pray for him. We're, they, they have said, they've said that it's incurable. So uh, he's, he's right now, he's, he's been through, he started in his chemo. He's, right now he's on a little break uh, just for his body to kind of catch up. So pray for Jordan. But everybody, obviously, I think everybody in our church is praying for Jordan. And that's right. That's, that's the way it should be. But I wonder how many times we pray for physical need, which is a huge physical need. But we don't pray for some of our great spiritual needs. We, we need to pray for both. In fact, if we go through Paul's prayers, most of what he requests are for spiritual need, spiritual advancement. And so we're here and he has this amazing prayer. And he bows, he fouls before the Father. And he just, he crawls out to him for this need for prayer to be, for our love to be vibrant. He, and, and notice this next phrase, and I'll just, I'll just kind of touch on it very, very quickly. But I, I want to do this uh, because it's, it's relevant to the context. If, if you notice, as it moves on down, it starts the prayer, and then verse 15, for whom every family, or it could say the whole family, depending on how you translate that, in heaven on earth derives this name. 
I think part of the reason he talks about God being the, the father of the family, one, at least one of the families involved, one of the families involved is the body of Christ, which is, is the major component in this book, talking to the body of Christ. And you have, you have the Jews and the Gentiles, and they, they're both saved, but they come from such dramatic backgrounds, dramatic difference in their culture. In fact, the Jews felt superior to those old pagans, right? The old pagan Gentiles, you know. And, and of course, the pagans, they looked upon the Jews, you know, the uptight, you know, and all that. So, you know, they were at odds with each other. And, and before Christ, just like two bulls in a pen. And now, they get, now they're in the same family. You, you got to be kidding we have to meet with those guys. <laughs> and, and Paul says, I want you guys to learn to love each other. I want you to love each other. You're, yes, your cultures are different. But I want you to learn to love each other in the midst of your differences. And God calls us. I mean, just, you know, we're all different. Now, a lot of us are very, you know, we're kind of Canadianized. You know, that's a good thing. I thank the Lord I'm in Canada. But there's lots of differences between people that, some of the people that come in, they don't have a clue, they've never been in a church in their whole life, they're so different. And you know, some people come from Kansas, they're really different. Some people come from Nigeria, we won't even go there, right? You just think, whoa! Isn't it wonderful though? We can all come together, isn't that awesome? Well, that's ultimately because of love of God, the love of Christ. And so he, he, he calls out to God the Father that this love will grow. It will abound. And so, now let, let's, let's move on and, and, and move to verse 16. It says this, that he would grant you, that God our Father would grant you according to the riches of his glory. The riches of his glory. I just, I, I was trying to picture, you know, I don't think I can grasp this phrase, the riches of his glory. Uh, now, I can, I can get a little grasp on riches. Let's just think we, uh, we, we, we went to this, this mansion. I mean, this guy was loaded. He was rich. He's filthy rich. Just the kind of friend I'm trying to find. Okay, he's filthy rich, right? And you go into his mansion. Let's say they even picked you up in their, you know, the big, big car, right? Anyway, bring you up. You come into there, and he knows you want to see his vault, and so he's got this walk-in vault. Not just one of those little things on the wall, right? This is a vault. And you walk in, and you walk in, and you see, you see stacks of money. Stacks of money. And it's, you, you want to go there too, right? You can come over. Okay, stacks of money. And then you look over here, and there are bars of gold. Some of you are drooling. Okay, bars of gold. And then you have silver. Well, that's, that's kind of second rate. Silver. And then there's some precious gems. This guy is loaded. And you're saying, you know, I was wondering if you might be able to part with a little bit of that, right? Now think about this. God has a lot bigger vault. Riches of glory. So, when you say riches of glory, don't you think maybe Paul's getting ready to ask a big request? I mean, something huge. Because God is, has all this wealth, this spiritual wealth. And he comes and he says, God, I'm making this big, big request. 
And it is a big request. Because love is not normal. Love is not natural. Love's not even fun sometimes. Right? Loving people that are hard. But we come to a God that's rich in glory. And he comes and he says, God, he's making this request of God's riches, his abounding resources. And notice as it moves on. Notice what, as we, and this, this prayer is so, it has so many different facets to it. The riches of glory to be strengthened with power. To be strengthened with power. And the idea of, of this strengthening is spiritual strength to overcome resistance. Spiritual strength to overcome resistance. I was, I was thinking, I, I said, uh, I think it was David as we were out in Lawrencetown. And uh, we went out there yesterday. It was really, really cool. They were, what, I don't even know what they call it. We, what was it? They were doing these, these it was crazy. They're, they're, they're bizarre people. But anyway, it was really pretty. Watching crazy people is kind of fun. They got this, they, they, you know those, those things? And then they, and they're on the water and they're skiing along on the water and they're floating in the air and they jump up and all that. Anyway, at Lawrencetown Beach, one time, when Chris was just a little guy, we decided to take a, a father-son trip in the middle of the, the winter. And I thought I knew that part well enough. And so the snow's on the ground, but I, you know, dads know everything, right? And so I, okay, dads, and I drove out, and I drove out, and all of a sudden we were gonna go up and we're gonna watch the water, right? The waves come in. <laughs> just, oh, man, the car dropped. I know where that hole's at now. I dropped into this hole, and I thought, oh man, this is a terrible day. It was cold, the snow was there, and that car didn't get stuck, it dropped. And I thought, I'm never getting out of here, right? Anyways, several really nice Nova Scotians, about three of them all stopped, they thought the poor stupid kid here, stupid man. But anyway, they stopped for the stupid man, and they got me out, but I could not get out myself. I was totally, I was totally stuck. God's power can overcome our resistance. Now, we have resistance for a variety of reasons, but the biggest one is we have the flesh. We have the flesh. And therefore, we walk by the Spirit so we can overcome the power of the flesh. But we have to have, have, to have power that will overcome that resistance. Because we have a resistant flesh. Again, it's, it's not normal. It's not, oh, it's not fun to love sometimes. And so God, we ask him, God, work in a way that's just bigger than we are. It just has to be bigger than I am because I can't do this. And so we ask him to move in his power. And notice through the, the power of his spirit, the spirit, the power of the spirit in the inner man. We cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. I thought, I thought the other, oh, a couple of months ago, I don't know why this thought seemed so simple, but it just, it just kind of hit me. I was driving along one day. I thought, you know what? In, in, in ministry or living the Christian life or whatever, think, if you, if you just want human resources, uh, human results, you, you just need human resources. But if you want divine results, you need divine resources. And living the Christian life is not, is not just to pretend. You know, like when uh, my grandson comes over and we, we pretend, we, we, we play Legos. 
or we play blocks. Well, you know, it's, it, it's kind of pretend, like, oh, we got this building, we got this tower, you know, we're building this thing, you know, and that's, that's kind of fun, right? But it's still pretend. But sometimes as, as Christians, we play pretend love. And God says, no, 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 I want it to be genuine, I want it to be real. I want the Spirit of God to so move in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Isn't that interesting? The very front line of the very first fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And it's the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit. Now we have, we have a, a part in this, but the Spirit has to move and we have to be a dependent people, recognize our inadequacy apart from Him. Now notice, as you move on in verse 17, that, and, and this is it's interesting how Paul lays this out. He just, he, he, he adds layers of insight into this process. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now this is not initial indwelling when we trust Christ and the Spirit of God comes into our heart. That's not, that's the initial, but this is the ongoing, the indwelling. And the idea is this, when he indwells us, and using this word, when somebody uh, in, is indwelt, they're impacted, they're changed by that. If somebody come, if somebody moves into your house, that changes your house. If they, if they move, unless you have a really, really big house, right? Anyway, I was saying the, I think I, uh, I said to somebody today, uh, little Levi, our four-year-old grandson, one day, uh, of course, when you come to grandma and grandpa's house, it's just like, uh, you know, it's fun, right? You don't have to pick up your toy. Well, sometimes you do. But anyway, you, you, uh, it's just fun. And he, Levi said to me, he said, we, I was taking him home. And uh, he said, Papa, he called him Papa. He says, Papa, I want to live with you for 57 years. I'm thinking, Oh, man, I can just see my living room, right? 57 years of Levi, right? Anyway, he impacts our life. I, I was talking to Marty yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And uh, um, she had had, no, it's Thursday night. That's when it was. And she had had the two, Levi 4 and Emma 2, and they were at our house for a sleepover. This is, she's, a, she's a really good grandma, over brave, overconfident, right? Anyway, so she's, she's got him and I called him in the evening and uh, they're there for the, getting ready to have the sleepover in the night. And uh, Marty was, was on the phone and she was looking at Emma and all of a sudden she says, I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> so Emma was up to something, right? I gotta go. Emma changes our life, right? Levi changes our life. Now that is, is not necessarily always fun, but usually. But Christ wants to change our life. He wants to dwell in us in such a way that it positively changes us, that Christ may dwell in us, and notice this, through faith, through faith. It's, it's not an initial faith, although that's absolutely essential, but it's ongoing faith. I'm looking to Him. I'm appropriating His sufficiency for my walk. Whether, whatever I need in my Christian walk, it's found in Him. So I look to Him. So think about this whole love thing. Think of the person, we won't stay there too long, think of the person you have a lot of trouble loving. If you just focus on that person, you just focus on that person, you just think about that person, you think, man, they, they, you know, they ruffled my feathers, they, they said this about me, they did this, you know, whatever it is, they're driving me crazy, whatever it is. If I just focus on them, my love doesn't grow. 
But if I focus on the Lord Jesus, my love for them can grow. See, I, I, I say, you know what, Jesus, I, I can't love them. They, they have wounded me. They, and in, in some cases, we have, you have been deeply hurt. You have been deeply hurt. And, and love doesn't always mean, you know, everything's all patched up all the time. I know that. But God can love that person through you. Spirit, it, it's a miraculous thing. It's a life transforming thing. But it's only as we depend on the Lord Jesus. He's our adequacy. He's our source. He's our absolute source for everything but especially in this area of love that we're talking about right now. We, we keep our focus on Him. Focus on Him, faith in Him. Now, it is so essential uh, if we're really going to abound in love. Through faith, we appropriate Christ's sufficiency for our journey. Now, notice as, as we move on. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then, and then we read these words. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, I think the way the, uh, the, the terms are used, it's what has already happened. We, it, when we come to Christ, we're grounded in love. So that's essential for us to grow in love. We're grounded, we're rooted in love. Because of God's love for us, we're grounded, we're rooted. But that's the foundation. Now we're to grow. So he talks about our foundation, now he, and he, then he picks back up with our growth. Notice what it says. Verse uh, 18. May, he moves on, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is a breadth and length and height and depth. Comprehend. To grasp mentally is the idea. To grasp it mentally. And, the, and it is truth in the scriptures. We need the word of God desperately for every facet of our Christian life. Faith is based on biblical facts. So we go to the Word of God, not just to be knowledgeable, I understand that, but to understand truth and understand how it relates to Christ. Understand love. What does love look like? What does it really look like? Well, we grasp it, we grasp it, we have to go to the Word. One of the concerns of mine in our present Christian culture is people are moving away from the Word. They're moving away. The Word is, you know, it's... It, it's, it's a nice thing, and they think, well, it's a, you know, well, of course, some don't even think that. But Christians generally think, oh, yeah, the, it's nice. Have one, everybody should have one on their shelf or, or you know, on your iPad. But we, we, have to be, we have to absorb it into our lives. We have to understand. Now, notice what it goes on. To comprehend, to comprehend. Notice those phrases. It, it, this, this depth, this depth of God, and it's talking about God's love here. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and you be rooted in ground in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And as, as one version puts it, may have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And I think that's accurate in understanding. One, one put it in this frame. We must never fall into the error of imagining that because we are Christians, we therefore know all about the love of God. Most of us are but as children paddling at the edge of an ocean 
There are depths in this love of which we know nothing. The apostle is praying and these, that these Ephesians and that we with them may go into the depths and discover things which we have never imagined. God wants, us, God wants us to understand His love. He wants us to grasp it. And as we are in the Scriptures, we see the Lord Jesus, we see what He's done. And of course, I do think the breaking of bread is so critical because it reminds us again and again of the death of Christ, which is the ultimate expression of the love of God. I, I heard it said some years back, one of the reasons, and now this is not always true, and, it's, and again, the waves of time and culture are, are, are washing a lot of... Uh, uh, of, of saints adrift. But one person said, one of the reasons the assemblies in measure have stayed more conservative in their theology and, and, and more consistent in staying true to the Lord is that we're consistently reminded of the death of Christ, which is to be reminded of the love of God. And as we're reminded of these things, then we get to know, we just get to know a little more, a little more about how huge God's love is. What does it mean? Don't you think in eternity we'll be learning more about what, what it means that God loves us? I, I was at a wedding recently and it was outside and uh, uh, thankfully it wasn't raining. Thankfully, probably I don't think I'd have an outside wedding in Nova Scotia, right? Well, I was, we were supposed to have one years ago outside on the oceanfront, and it didn't happen either. <laughs> it just rained, 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 right? But anyway, in this case, it didn't rain. But there was a lake. There was a lake behind me. And, uh, and of course, the couple and everybody in all their glory were lined up. It was, there was a really nice wedding because this is a great Christian couple. And uh, all, just a great group of, of, of young people at the wedding. And there was a, a lake behind me. We talked about God, love. We talked about love. And, and, and part of it was, you know, here this lake, a beautiful lake. But you know what? It's nothing compared to the ocean. Now, we don't have to, you know, we go out to Lawrence Town and say, whoa. But you know what? That lake is not big enough to express the immensity of God's love. The ocean is not big enough to express the immensity of God's love. It is immense. So God wants us as to come to get to know Him more and more through the Word. And as we understand what it means that God loves me, loves me, and I begin to see, well, man, it's so much deeper than I thought. It's so much wider than I thought. It's so much higher than I thought. But see what happens when we begin to see how big God's love is. Then see, God wants to make that more and more progressively a part of my life. That I become more loving because God is just so huge. And His love, he, as we said this morning, he, His love has come to us and He wants it to flow through us. So the immensity, we learn more of what it, what it means that God loves me. You know, you, you can go through a whole series of, uh, of things. And, and uh, Ron last week was talking about uh, the, uh, the, the ministry he's involved with and I have just a teeny bit of a part in that. And uh, just to be talking about the love of God, it's just immense, it's immense, it's immense. You can just learn more. You know, the very, the, the food we have, the creation around us, all of the details of life, and God is saying in broad, bold lights, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And as we begin to realize that, well, God loves me, God wants to love through me. And as I see this depth, and notice what he, it goes on. It's just wonderful to know. You see, we talk about understanding, grasping in it, and then 
to comprehend it, and then verse 19, and to know the love of Christ. And that word know, in my understanding, is to know it experientially. That it, His love might begin to characterize me and control me. That I might really know the love of Christ. Not just in my head, but in my whole life. That it permeates, His love permeates my life. And I love others. And notice what it goes on to say. May comprehend the depth of this love, the height of this love, and their night to know the love of Christ, to know it intimately, because I'm, I'm loving, which surpasses knowledge. You know what? If we really love like God loves, sometimes it's not going to make a lot of sense to the world. It's... It's not just a human love. It's not just I like those who like me. And again, this is not normal. This is not fun sometimes to love people, to love people who have harmed you, who have hurt you. And that doesn't mean you necessarily bring them back into your life. I understand that. But where we can love people so that we don't become better people. We can forgive people. We can care for people. We can pray for people. You know, there are people that won't have anything to do with us. I understand that. But you know what? They can't stop us from praying for them. If we love them, we can pray for them. We may never talk to them again. They may, ne they may never call us. They may never, they may never let us into their life. And we understand that. But we can love them. We can pray for them. We can care about them. And so God wants to so change us. He wants to transform us. But it's a divine thing. It's not a normal thing. And God wants this to happen, and He wants this to show up to those around us. And we read that you know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, I find this mind-blowing, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That just, isn't, that, isn't that just beyond grasp? That you may be and progressively filled up with all the fullness of God. I just think, that, what, how, what in the world? But you see, as Christ is formed in me, as it says in Galatians, as Christ is formed in me, God the Son, as His characteristics are formed in me, I am being filled, I am being progressively transformed. And people are starting to see a glimpse of God, not that we are God, but a glimpse of God in and through us in our, in our reactions, in our responses, in our connections. That yes, they may not always like us, but they, they have to scratch their heads sometimes if we respond in a Christian way. They're saying, did you hear what he did? Did you, hear, did you see what he didn't say? <laughs> did you see how he came across in there? God wants to fill us with His fullness. And as Christ, God the Son, is formed within us, it shows up God's love. It shows that God is doing something in our hearts and lives. We're becoming more, you know, we say it in other ways, we're becoming Christ-like. We're becoming Christ-like. You know, we, we need to evaluate, say, how, how well am I doing? And again, this is progressive. And we still have a flesh. Your flesh can always, you know, I've said this on various occasions because I was raised in the Midwest and rattlers, rattlesnakes were a part of life. And, and the flesh is like a rattlesnake. It's like a rattler. It's just all coiled up. And I came across a few times, rattlesnakes are all coiled up. Boy, if you, if you don't see them ahead of time, you're in big trouble. They're all coiled up, ready to 
And the flesh is like that, isn't it? It's amazing how we can say something, we can hurt somebody, we can, you know, just because the flesh is... But that's why we need God's constant work. We walk by the Spirit. We allow the Spirit of God to power us, to form Christ within us progressively. So we increasingly say no to our flesh and our selfishness and yes to Christ-like love. And only God can do that. And, but it's progressive. But we're leaning on Him. We're looking to Him. Say, God, only you can do this. Only you are loving. And I want you to love through me. I, I was reminded... Uh, Years ago, there was a dear girl. She was my cousin, and uh, her name was Fontella. She was about four years older than I was. I'm sure I've shared this story in some, some form sometime. She's a dear Christian girl, and uh, I remember one Sunday, it would be kind of like a Sunday night like tonight, there were, there were these services going on, her little church, a little country church out in the middle of what we say nowhere <laughs> and so but we were there and, and but after the service she just shared some things she, like she was reading this one book and and I was I was uh, let's see probably about I was in high school um, I don't know if I was a junior senior or whatever sitting in that zone and uh, she just sat down with me and she shared some things that the Lord had been teaching her that was a very key moment in my life that, that little moment on that hard little pew in this little country church with Fontella sharing some things that God was really teaching her. And you know, God used that to stir my heart. And we're just sitting there. Well, anyway, so that really drew my heart to her. And she's just a dear, dear girl. And, and then she got married. She had married uh, Ken. And uh, not Ken and Barbie, Ken and Fontella, but anyway. Uh, and Ken was a great guy, just a great guy. Several years later, uh, Fontella, there was this, really it was a medical accident. It was, a, it was just tragic. But she was left a quadriplegic. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and totally paralyzed in this bed, can't move, and Ken, her husband, was the most kind, the most loving person I'd ever seen. He just, he cared for dear Fontella. He just loved her. They were a young couple, and here his wife is paralyzed. She's in this bed, she can't move, and Ken did everything for her. And you know one thing I remember about that in my mind is this picture. Ken would so take care of her, everything was, and at this point, the, the bed, when I saw it, it was in their house, at least in part for a time, and everything was perfectly clean. She, you know, she was cared for so well. And her hair, she had long hair, and it was in, and it was, and it was down here. And he had parted her hair, and her hair just perfectly lined up. I mean, you could tell he had cared for her carefully, specifically, loved her. You see, that, that's this amazing love. You, here you lose, basically you lose your wife. You know, all your dreams and your aspirations. And she's lying in bed. You know, and some men would have just been out the door. But Ken was there loving his wife. I always remember that. See, God wants us to love when it's not easy. To care for those around us. 
And how is that possible? Well, we've already talked about it, but the passage goes on to highlight the power that makes possible vibrant love. Let's look at this for just a moment. The power that makes this possible. And we, and we see this in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him who is able to do far more, able to do, as one puts it, super abundantly beyond all that we can imagine. This is, we're talking about transformation beyond expectation. God can change us. And, and, and I'm sure, certainly not saying this as if I have arrived. That is absolutely not the case. But we're saying that God can do something in us that's mind-blowing. That's mind-boggling. God can do something beyond our expectation. Our greatest, what we even could think or ask, God can do beyond. And He can do that in our family. He can do that in our midst. But it... it recalls us to pray for these things. I appreciate one of the older commentaries, and he put it this way from the version that he was using. And it says this, and if, and if you look at this, you'll see how the, the words just build upon one another, and he highlights it in this quote. He, God, is able to do all that we ask or even think. Okay, that's huge, but that's not all. He is able to do above all that we ask or think, but that's not even, that's not even enough. He is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. But even then, it's not enough. He goes on. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God can do amazing things as we pray, as we seek Him. And notice, and, and, and why is that true? According to the power of that works within us, according to the power, the dynamic living power that works within us. As, as William MacDonald put it, the Holy Spirit, who is constantly at work in our lives, seeking to produce the fruit of, of Christ-like character, can do this in us. It's His power. It's His power. And notice the purpose. Notice verse 21. This is where it's aiming. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The purpose, the purpose is to glorify God. As we love one another, who gets the credit? God gets the credit. Because it took God to do that in my heart. He had to do this. But He gets the credit. He gets the glory. He gets the honor and praise. And I want you to notice this. There are various things we could say, but just notice these, two, these three words. Forever and ever. Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? You know what that means? As we allow God and we call upon God to work in our lives, when we step into eternity and, and it was evident that God had been at work and that our love grew, throughout eternity, God will get credit for what was done in time. See? See what God did? See what God did? See what God did? 
forever and ever. As we grow in love, put it this way, it has eternal impact. You know, in this world we live for such short-lived goals. And it's not wrong, it's not wrong to have a goal, you know. But let's make sure that our goals move into eternity, that they have value, that bust into eternity and stays for eternity. Forever and ever, God can get glory as He works in our lives through love. I say, God, change us. Now, you know what? We need, we need to pray for this. That's what this is, a prayer. It's a prayer. You know, I, I shared a story, but years ago in Dallas, this, this uh, man, uh, he had been, I think if I was going to caption his life, an angry alcoholic. And he was extreme on both counts. Angry alcoholic. And God saved that man. And you know what? He became a gentle husband. I was, a, I was blown away. A gentle man. You know what? It wasn't because he had a little resolution. <laughs> it wasn't because, oh, I think I'll be nice today. <laughs> God changed him. God changed him. You know, we need to pray that God will just continually, progressively change us. Change us. And we need to pray for that. I was thinking, uh, and I, and I that, this is true here, but I was thinking back in Edmondson Heights where we're at, fellowship. There's a lot of, there's quite a few seniors. And some dear, dear saints. And you know, God has given us a measure measure of unity, not that we don't go through the hustle and bustle and have struggles and all that. But you know what, I was thinking about, and I think there's a lot of that here, a sense of unity, kind of a sense of joy being together, a sense of you know, fellowship and, and all of it. You know, but I was thinking about, what is, why is that partly true? Well, I think part of it is true because a lot of these, a lot of these believers have been praying for this chapel. And you know what, we just need to keep that going. May we pray for our chapel family. May we pray for one another. May we pray for our families. May we pray for ourselves, right? That our love will be vibrant and it will continue, it will continue to grow in vibrancy. God wants to fill us with his fullness. And, and, and Paul lays this prayer request. He, you know, he lays this prayer out not that for us to do it in a ritual, you know, a rote way, but the pattern is there. Let's pray for prayer and pray for love. Pray for love. And uh, maybe I, I just think as we go into, you know, the clouds are pretty dark in our culture, right? <laughs> it's not a happy zone. And I think as we go through life, there's lots of stresses. There's lots of reason not to be loving. But may God so change us. And we step into eternity, He gets the glory. He gets the glory forever and ever. Because our love continued to grow in time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we think of this prayer. And uh, we realize, we realize that, man, we got long ways to grow. But we thank you that you have all the resources. You have riches and glory. And we just call upon you to work your love in our lives more and more. And Father, we, we know we've blown it. We know we've messed up. We know we don't get it all the time. 
And Father, we just pray that we'll increasingly look to your Son and be transformed by your Spirit to be growing in our love that will bring glory to you forever and ever. In Jesus' name.